anyway, welcome. Wait, that's not our intro. <laughs> oh my god, guys. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Hidden. Hit... This is not going well, Honda. Welcome to Hidden Among Us. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Honda. And welcome to episode 43. It is episode... Mm-hmm. I, I swear, we are like... I, not we, am always out of count. Anyway, we're posting this episode a day late. So, apologies about that. <laughs> <laughs> we're supposed Honest- to record on... Friday, and I only realized past twelve, in midnight. I know. Um, but in our defense, <laughs> we both worked on Friday, and I think by the time we got back, we were just. I had exam on Friday. Oh yeah, you had an exam on Friday. I had work, and I was <laughs> surprisingly tired. Okay, so there's this thing, right? Every time I'm about to leave work, there's always an emergency that happens. Like, it always happens. And because of that, I always leave work late. (laughs) So, there was an emergency on the day we were supposed to record. So, I had to work late. And I guess it totally slipped my mind Mm. that we had to record. Because usually, I would, like, remind Honda. Or Honda would remind me. Like, we remind each other. But that day, I think we were just... Out of exhausted, yeah. But anyway, we hope that you don't mind that this episode is a day late. Mm. Yes. Well, Honda, how's your week? It's been pretty boring. But then you know, yesterday, because <clears throat> I had a, like, a small house party thing, and um, one of my mom's friends brought chocolates, and that motorbike is killing me. Oh. Okay, that one's loud. Yeah, it's This is not the worst, you know. There's one that I don't know if it's a car or bike, but it really sounds like they're like using a gun and shooting. Oh, it's God. freaking loud. It's kind of scary because it sounds like it's going to blow up or something. Oh, God. Okay. Anyway, house party. Yes. Yeah, so my mom's friend bought chocolates and it's by Janice Wong. Have you heard of the chocolates? No. It's like a famous Singapore chocolate and the flavors are quite interesting, weird. I don't know if if I show you like the pictures, would you recognize? Cause it's pretty unique, like the colors. Oh, I've never seen this before. Really? So there's like a chocolate chili paddy chocolate. Oh. Ginger flower. Um. Oh my God, one of the most interesting ones had um pop rocks in it. Oh okay. So when I was chewing, it was like something blowing up in my mouth. Oh god. And that was quite fun. Then there was like gula malaka chocolate. I mean, gula malaka is kind of like not surprising. Coffee. The chili Coffee party is... one though. Chili party one when you it, it it's not like it's not it's not how you say it's not hot when you put it in your mouth but when you swallow it you can feel like a bit tingling in your throat after oh, you swallow. It takes god. a while. Yeah okay I'll I was interested in the chili party one because, like, a few years ago, somebody bought, like, chili flavored chocolate for my family. 
and I was very curious about it. So I decided to try it, and it tasted god awful. It was disgusting. It was neither chili nor chocolate. It's it was gross. Oh no. Yeah, but I think your chili party one definitely seems to have tasted better than the one I had. So I, I don't. I'm not a super fan of it, but it was interesting. Like on and a scale of one to ten, one being gross, you would rather cut out your tongue and like throw it into the Pacific Ocean, and ten being it's so heavenly that you transcended to another dimension. Uh, six. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. But like, I think each each piece is. How much did she say? It's either three point five or two point five dollars. I think it's three dollar fifty. Oh God! For one piece, that and she expensive. bought one box. <laughs> okay, she but was it doing... looks very artistic. Ah, uh, yeah, it's very colorful. So if you see the store, I think they have uh, this one in Paragon, and I've seen it before because of how colorful it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think apparently it's popular in Japan. Oh, and they even had like a pop up store in Japan before. Nice. Speaking Chocolate of pop up stores, like a while back, there was like this BTS pop up store, and Honda never let me live. Oh, they still have one at Plaza Sing. I would never go there. Maybe we can go. I'm like serious. Like I can accompany no! you. No. Oh God. Okay. I think the Suntec one is still there. Let's go. Oh, um, I'll support you. No, I. I refuse to be surrounded by like children. So in Singapore, right? Uh, we have a term to call these like. How do we explain those kind of girls? To like an international audience, um, they're like cringy teen fans. Yeah, they're like super cringy. They're the kind that think they're super edgy, and in Singapore, we call them Xiao Mei Mates. Anyway, Xiao Jie Jie. So, anyway, so I refuse to be around them because I would feel extra old. We can go during their school time. No, I. Oh God! I'll support your fangirling endeavors. Oh God! When I was younger, um, I used to love One Direction. Like, <laughs> oh God. Anyway, I freaking love it. And there was one time there was a pop up One Direction store, and I queued up with my friend, and I went there, but everything was so expensive, so I literally couldn't afford like a lot of oh, things. No. So the one thing I could afford were these like cups that I brought home, and like you bought all the members. It comes with a set. Oh, okay. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I still have it today. I'm like lifting it up for Honda to see. I still have it. I have like Zayn. I think I cleared the others. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So um, never want to relive that pop up experience because while I was with my friend, like, oh god, the people around me were so cringy. All the like younger fans were so cringy. So. Honda, no, stop! I really. 
Uh, anyway, it's really, it's really just because I. Oh, do don't you know. want to take photos here? I'm not. I, I mean, I do, but like, I oh, don't know. See, I, I literally like take photos. I think my issue is I just feel very old. Yeah, you're not that old. I know, but it's like. No, look, but the store is actually. People. No, the store looks actually quite mature. I'm not kidding. Mm. Anyway, yeah, okay, maybe I'll think about it. But like Honda and I really want to go to the zoo. Hey, look, see, this person <laughs> is twenty five, and she went to the store and bought something. Oh god, she's an administrative secretary. Okay, oh, see, that's... someone's she's twenty four. See, it's okay. it's normal. They're your age. Okay, anyway, yes. So Honda and I want to go to the zoo and. Every day with all the COVID cases, like our dream of going dwindles. <laughs> anyway, yeah, in Singapore, like our zoo isn't just for attractions. It's like conservation. A con like kind of like a conservation center as well. Like a um, the main focus of the zoo is conservation and like researching these animals and stuff and <laughs> like. A lot of countries actually send animals over because Singapore has a pretty successful breeding programs, like a breeding program for like several of the species. So, for example, the pandas, Singapore. Um, one of the reasons why China sent over, like two pandas to Singapore, is also to breed them, and well, we were successful. So were we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weren't we? I don't think so. They're trying to breed one now, like a pair now. No, so they're not. They're oh, trying okay. to desperately Oops. breed them. Because Oops. they're technically not Singapore's. True. It's Oops. only for a certain period of time Redact, we have to keep Redact. them back. I forgot, there was one animal where we managed to successfully breed. Pandas can be quite hard, but China has been doing quite well with the panda breed, yeah. breeding thing. Yes, yes. Anyway, yes, so we're not like supporting animal abuse. Although, you can still make a case about, like, you know, animals in captivity... Yada yada yada. I mean, they they don't have much nature left to be in, anyways. True. True. Sadly. And it it I guess it's nice to be in an environment that focuses so heavily on education. Mm-hmm. As well, so Singapore's zoo, Singapore's zoo, Singapore's zoo, like its main um. The main thing it wants to bring across is really education and conservation of these animals. Yeah. Okay, Honda, do you have a story for us today? It's my turn. It's your turn. <laughs> yeah, my story was quite interesting. What do you mean quite and interesting? It's like 0.05% interesting. <laughs> yes, and um, zero point one percent gruesome. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so this time, story is about one of Hong Kong's most famous serial killers, and he's known by like a lot of names. Like he's known as the Jazz Murderer, Rainy Night Butcher, Rainy Night Killer, Hong Kong Butcher. Okay, so. The term rainy night killer is familiar. Reminds me of the Korean one. Yeah, but that that is why it's familiar to me. 
Um, yeah, okay. I've I never heard of... Rainy weather is like uh, a sign for serious killers to come out. Oh god, memories of murder, like... <laughs> I don't want you to give it that one. Okay, yeah, so... For this story, there are a total of four victims and they were killed by Lam Kor Wan and he was caught at the age of 27 on August 17, 1982. Ooh. Yeah, his crimes were so gruesome and shocking at the time that a female forensic scientist on the case was removed and the jury were, were all men. Oh, yes, because, you know... Women can't stand gore. Yeah, men are macho. Men can totally <laughs> stomach gruesome things. They're women not are emotional. Just there to be, you know. Yeah, women are emotional. Women are just there to be victims. Oh god. Okay. Okay. So more about Lam, and he had been a loner growing up, and he actually grew up in Malaysia. Oh. And <laughs> across the border. <laughs> yeah, and his father used to beat him and his mother. Oh, no. Yeah, and once he had hit Lam so hard that he fell unconscious. Oh, God. Yeah, but when they moved to Hong Kong, the abuse stopped. But then, you know, I think with all that physical abuse and trauma, like, in school, he was not able to make friends. Yeah, definitely. And in the late 70s, he had, like, a stash of pornographic magazines that he had ordered from Britain. And he had been re-photographing the pictures that he had seen in the porn magazine. Wait, re-photographing? Yeah, like with actual women out there. Oh! So so he would make them pose like in the pictures of the magazine? Mm. Oh, okay. And then later on, he bought a Polaroid camera and would go into women's toilets and take pictures by putting the camera under the cubicle door. Oh, God. The way I am rolling my eyes... Yeah, sounds kind of familiar, I wonder why. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Lam worked as a taxi driver, and that is how he would pick up his victims. Yeah, so on February... 3rd, 1982, at 4am, he picked up a female passenger in his taxi outside a restaurant in Tim, Tim Sha Sui. Okay, I don't know how to pronounce the places in Hong Kong. So, the passenger was 21 years old, and her name is Chan Feng Lan, who worked at, a, at the Chinese Palace nightclub. And mm-hmm. she went for drinks and snacks with her sister and friends after work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when she was in the cab, you know, halfway, she asked Lam to stop. And he pulled up at a service station and she opened the door to vomit. Because she was, you know, drunk. Oh, yikes. She's drunk and in a vehicle, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that itself is a toxic combination. I get car sick even when I'm not drunk, so. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I, I don't know. Something about the car's motions. Mm-hmm. And it's especially when I'm, for example, on my phone or reading or something. I yeah, get yeah, so nauseous by the yeah, time yeah, yeah. the trip ends. Oh, God. Mm. And then after she vomited, she then told Lam to bring her back to Simsha Sui. But then she changed her mind again. But she's drunk. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, so, clearly yeah. she's not in the right frame of mind. Yeah, but I guess Lam didn't understand that because he snapped and he pulled over and strangled her with an electrical wire. All because she changed her mind about the destination. And then vomited, so I guess the smell, and he was annoyed. And she was vulnerable at the same time, so perfect opportunity for him. Yeah, but yikes. Yeah, so from then, you know, he'll pick up three other female passengers and strangle them with electrical wire. He'll take them to his family home and then Mm -hmm. dismember them and also took photos of them. Oh, okay. Okay, the photo part is a key thing in this story. You'll see, you'll know why later. You know, it's... The tro- it's it a trophy, Jeffrey, I guess. Was it Jeffrey Dahmer that also took Polaroids of his victims? I, I think so, but it, it's very thing. reminiscent of that. I don't know. I, I, It just reminds me of... Mm. Mm-hmm. And remember he was known as the Jazz Murderer? Jars. Why? I'm Why? Scared. It was because he placed his victim's sexual organs in Tupperware containers. Oh my god. Mm. Like. Okay. When you mean sexual organs, do you mean like he cuts open the bodies? Like he cuts it open and then he takes out like the uterus and the ovaries and whatnot. No, that's too biological. Like I'm literally saying like the outer physical ones. Like Okay, yes. I I was wondering (laughs) about that because if it were to like remove the inside, I don't know. I there must be a big Tupperware. <laughs> okay, to be very honest, like uterus and like the ovaries. And oh, wait, yeah, it's a very small area. But then, yeah, I mean, but still, you need. I was thinking of like, like the smaller Tupperware containers. Okay, because like even if, for example, you were to cut out the area of the. Uh, vagina, right? You still, it's still a large area. Mm-hmm. He will, oh god, oh god. Yeah, so, and as I said earlier, he would also take pictures and videos of his victims, and he would even film himself performing an act of necrophilia with his last victim. Oh. Yeah, but he was also known as a rainy night butcher because the attacks occurred during a rainy day. But I guess it's because there's more passengers when it's raining. Yeah, because you know, it's just easier to get across to different areas when you get a cab, right? Yeah. But my like, go- you know, like <sighs> Singapore when it rains, it's like impossible to get a gram. Yeah. But oh, goodness. I don't know, it's just, I guess with this case, it, it just constantly bothers me, and not just this case, like many other cases, that women, even in death, are still these objects of, like, pleasure. Mm-hmm. 
we're just objects in all aspects of our life. When we're alive, when we're dead, we're just like a piece of meat. We can't catch a break, even if we're dead. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, you don't have to be like a... Like a serial kill- killer with like necrophilic tendencies. Like living men, living so- patriarchal societies itself sort of objectifies us in this way. But I digress before this ends up becoming like a lecture <laughs> on feminism. But yes, it's just... It's so horrific mm-hmm. to know that like this guy not only like cut out the body parts of his victims and put them in freaking Tupperwares mm-hmm. but he also like you know took photos of them and also you know did the do with them it's mm-hmm. yeah and you know he was still staying like in his family home and he shared his bedroom with his brother and his parents were in the house like the parents stayed with them in the house but they had been unaware of like what was happening at home so yeah lam worked the night shift so he would dismember the victims during the daytime when they're not around like Mm -hmm. in the living room yeah his brother had been initially a suspect, but the police determined that Lam acted alone. Interesting. Why mm. do you suspect the brother, though? Mm, I guess they couldn't fathom how, like, no one at home knew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I understand that. Yeah, so his arrest is quite interesting. And, you know, how he liked to take photos of his work. Well, he likes to print them as well. Oh, my. <laughs> Please don't tell me he sent it to, like, a photo, like, a shop that prints pictures, and the person, like, peeked at it and was like, Yo, WTF <laughs> is this? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Okay, this guy ain't like, okay, all right. Yeah, so he tried to develop the photos of the dismembered victims at a Kodak shop, and he... Before, like, he was, like, found out, he actually already done it once before. And a technician questioned him about the nature of the photos. But Nam explained that he was a university lab technician. And that the photos were for medical research. And the technician, you know, he, I guess, accepted the explanation. So, he implied they were cadavers. And then the technician was like, alright, I don't want to have anything to do with this. (laughs) Okay, nothing. Yeah, I was like, alright, sure. Whatever you say, sir, as long as you pay your $24.50. Yeah, but however, on August 17, 1983, the manager of the store saw the photos and he tipped off the police. So, the photos contained a naked woman where, like, there were whole body shots and also close-up shots of the body. And he, the manager saw that the photos were staged. And oh, like he posed them. Yeah, and remember how I said he likes to recreate yeah, like porn magazine like the photos? Porn, yeah. Oh, wow. And then one of the photos had also had a burn mark on a thigh. And there was another photo of a severed breast. 
Can you imagine being that manager? He's just like, I want to take a peek. Just to disguise whatever he's I mean, developing. they have to look at it, right? If Actually, it's in it's the quite past. interesting, though. Like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess. It's just that, um... Sometimes they're quite discreet about it. Like, they they will, they won't even look at the pictures. Just, like, print it out, grab the whole stack, put it in, like, an envelope, and then give it out. But I guess this guy saw... But, like, can you imagine being him? And he's just like, I'm gonna look at all these pictures print to make sure, like, you know, they're perfect. They printed in the best quality on the glossiest paper ever. And then a freaking image of, like, a woman's severed <laughs> breast comes out. <sighs> Yeah, so when Nam was due to collect the photos, plainclothes officers were waiting for him when he pick, when he returned to pick up the photos. Then, oh when confronted, he said that the photos belonged to his friend, and that his friend worked on a ship and was due to meet him shortly. You so... couldn't have gone with the cadaver <laughs> thing! <laughs> like, that's more believable than being like, yeah, uh, this belongs to my friend, and he was like on a ship, like, Oh god. Yeah. Yeah, he's not really smart. So when <laughs> Nam and the police <laughs> waited for the friend, the f- the friend didn't appear for obvious reasons. So the police yeah, accompanied... he pointed to like a random ship worker and he's like, it's over there, it's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy's just like walking off shift and he's like, huh? <laughs> yeah. So the police accompanied Lam to his home to perform a search of his home. Oh god. And this time the parents and brother was there, so... When the when the police came. So, when they were searching his home, the police found a box. And the box contained pornography and photographs of body parts, videotapes. Oh my god. And then... They okay. found a Tupperware container. Was he like stuffing multiple body parts into that one container? No, I don't think so. It's multiple. So it's just one body? He had four victims. Oh oh god! (laughs) Yeah, and when they opened the Tupperware container, they found a severed breast. Like, just one severed breast. That's kind of an odd thing to keep. Mm-hmm. So, interestingly, on this case, there was a British forensic chemist that, uh, called Sheila Hamilton that was working on the case. Mm-hmm. So, when Hamilton arrived in a small flat, he opened another container to find a vagina in formaldehyde. I'm speechless. He was preserving a vagina. <sighs> Dude. Okay. Yeah, so the evidence had been so horrific for like a woman to work with. So like that woman was taken off the case. I love how you phrased that. You were like, yeah, she was taken off the case. It wasn't like she was uncomfortable and then said that, hey, maybe I shouldn't work this case. It was just like a bunch of men who were like, this case is too <laughs> gruesome, you should step out of it. And then, I mean, like, if this person, like, 
If this person's a forensic scientist, I feel like, I don't know. Should be not desensitized, but at least, you know, it's her job. <laughs> yeah, um... You have to show a level of professionalism. I mean, you, you can get overwhelmed because you, yeah, you can get overwhelmed and hard to look at and hard to like think about. Yeah, no. In those cases, it's perfectly reasonable, but it's it's another thing to one be overwhelmed yourself and and another to have somebody else assume that you're overwhelmed and then <laughs> take you off the case. No, that's just very demeaning and one it insults her professionalism mm-hmm. so oh well it's okay Sheila we're on your side no that's the British guy isn't she the no it's not Sheila's a guy if I'm not wrong yeah oh dear god I just wish I did someone I'm so sorry Sheila <laughs> Okay, moving on, moving on. Okay, so when Nam was arrested, he revealed details of the case. Mm-hmm. So he remember his first victim? Mm-hmm. So when he had brought her body home, he... Oh, I just remember like the detail. Okay, so he hit the <laughs> body under the sofa and then he went to lay in bed and waited for his family to get up. Family was sitting on top of her body. I mean, if they decide to take a seat on the sofa, sure. Can you imagine? It feels like a horror movie. You're like sitting on the, your sofa, and then there's like a bloody body underneath it. It kind of reminds me of Parasite. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but can you imagine, like, for example, like accidentally dropping like the remote on the floor, <laughs> and then like you bend down to pick it up, and there's this like. A pair of eyes, unseen it's like, eyes. It's like, oh, just it's like a horror movie. Oh, or like when a pen rolls under the sofa. Yeah. And you reach down like to grab it. And then instead of feeling the pen, you feel something that is like kind of like hard and the the kind of mental images that you can come up with. with uh-huh. Oh my god. And okay, I'm it's just horrific because Assuming she's been dead for several hours, right? Like, rigor mortis would have set in and the whole body would have frozen. Mm-hmm. And it would be ice cold, like really cold. So if you were to accidentally touch it, <laughs> you know there's something suspicious there. Like, oh my god. It's crazy. This is mental... Yeah. So, when the family left for work, he then covered the floor with plastic and placed the body on top of it and then proceeded to saw off the body. Oh, God. Yeah. So, this first murder had not been planned because, you know, he just snapped. Yeah, he was like hella pissed that this drunk girl wanted to change her destination. Yeah, but his next murder, he planned for it. This... So this time he he brought surgical instruments and formaldehyde. So the second victim was also a bar worker and he performed intercourse with the corpse before dismembering the body. No. Yeah. 
he didn't feel remorse about these two killings or the third one. Also a bar worker telling the police that the that women were useless to society. Well, if you rewind a little on this podcast, you will hear me rant <laughs> about how women are objectified in life and in death. More on the news later. <sighs> but his fourth victim was an interesting one. Uh, fourth victim is Long Wai Sam. Um, she was a 17-year-old student. Oh, no. And she had hailed his taxi. Yeah. So they, like, um, she went in, like, into the cab, and then it was 9.30pm, which is, like, earlier than his other killings, because the other killings were bar workers, and mm-hmm. they're all, like, they all got into the cab past midnight. Yeah, because they, they end work late yeah. as well. So he restrained her, and then he kept the girl handcuffed in his cab for hours, talking to her about family, religion, and life. Oh god, he mansplained it. Oh god, that's torture in itself. <laughs> and at 4am, like when she fell asleep, he strangled her and took the body home. Yeah, when he was like... Yeah, so when he was setting up the lighting to film his grisly activities, a lamb fell on a dead girl's thigh and burned the skin. Oh, so that's where the burn yeah. mark came from. Okay. Yeah, so that's oh, yeah man. the mark that the collapse technician noticed in the photos. Yeah, his trial lasted three weeks, and as I said earlier, it's a seven-man jury. And mm-hmm. on April on eighth April nineteen eighty three, he was found guilty of four counts of murder, and was initially sentenced to death by hanging. But then, the following year, on 29 August 1984, his sentence was commuted to life imprisonment and is cur- still currently serving his life sentence at a maximum security Sheikh Pick prison. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The family had tried to sell their flat, but they were unsuccessful for obvious Actually, reasons. Actually, I wonder why. <laughs> so, they still continue to live in the flat till today. Oh my god, it's even worse. And they hang an okay, image of... Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, it's Hong Kong, so... It's expensive. It's kind of difficult to move out, so I can kind of understand. But at the same time, it must be horrifying. Yeah, so interestingly, they hang an image of Chung Kui, who's a, it's a figure... Who like uh, is a vanquisher of ghosts and evil beings in Chinese mythology? Yeah, they hang the image on the front door of their house. I mean, <laughs> you covered enough stories about vengeful ghosts to know that you know, if they, if people are murdered or they have like unhappy deaths, they tend to come back. To seek revenge. I mean, four were killed in that house in such a four gruesome way. Yeah. Can't even imagine what the family would be feeling. Yeah. Um. It's kind of. It's wild, thinking that one he murdered them in the family home. But can you imagine finding out that your son murdered four women? Like, ended all these 
gruesome, disgusting things in your own home. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, it's like while he was doing these things, they would see him on the daily. They probably had dinner and lunch and everything with him. And never suspected a thing because you just don't assume these things of your children. <sighs> and to find out, it's just madness. I mean, what if like one day they decided to like come home early? Yeah. <laughs> oh God. And you know, since they still continue to live in the house, they probably from time to time get harassed as well. I would imagine. Like the victims' families, or like those like people who follows like these kind of gruesome things. Yeah. Also, there are bound to be people who believe that they knew about it and kept quiet. True. So you can't imagine like not know like people not knowing this happening, and it's a Hong Kong house, so it's obviously not going to be a big house. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is the story of one of Hong Kong's most famous serial killers. Wow. <laughs> well, once again, Honda, you've rendered me speechless. Well, especially like the sofa detail. Oh my god, like, I don't even... Just now I like dropped something and I had to look under my bed to pick it up. Uh, guess who's never doing that again? Well, I feel like, yeah... You can, if you're gonna make a director, like, murder episode next time mm. for film and TV, you can have that. Draw inspiration from this. I wonder if Criminal Minds drew inspiration from this case. They tend to do that. Right. I mean, I think they had a few killers that had, like, jars and they, like, Pickled, not pickled, but they pickled. they preserve they preserve like body parts. Oh yeah. And some of their killers in their stories had like photographs as trophies. Mm. I feel like rewatching some episodes. <laughs> yeah, but oh, I always yeah. don't. Yeah, I don't watch in chronological order. I would Google best episodes of Criminal Minds. And oh I'll my god! I used to do this thing where I would just. Anyhow, pick. I'll do a random number generator. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so the first number will be the season. Then the second number I will generate will be the episode in the season. Mm. That's how I watch it. Yeah. It's fun. I was about to say something and then I completely forgot. Oh, <laughs> yes! Apparently, Mindhunter will have a new season. Uh-huh. Apparently, they're bringing it back. So. But like, when will that happen? I feel like I'll. I have to rewatch to refresh. <laughs> yeah, well. Thank you, Honda. That was a really interesting story. Um, wow. Wow. I also feel like, interestingly, we expect these kind of gruesome cases to come from like the West because a lot of notorious. Gruesome cases are from there <laughs> So every time we cover Like an Asian Story that is this gruesome It's always like wow Hong Kong has quite a few Hong Kong has quite a few Japan, Japan 
I mean, the one I talk about. Sorry, Honda, but Japan the, has some really effed up cases. Like the, I forgot what I could title it, but the boy A. No, we don't talk about him. But he is one of the cases that got me into true crime. I oh, the about it. or the cannibal member. Uh, the one who ate, I think her a French woman. Yeah, her butt and said it tasted like tuna. He's still alive. He's still kicking. He's remember how he filmed porno about him reenacting that scene? Yeah, it's just because he didn't get prison time in Japan when he got deported to Japan. He also tried to sell a book. With like, I think there was like pictures and stuff in it also. Yeah, he drew it himself. So, there's that guy. There's another quite famous Japanese case, but it's unsolved. Oh no. Um, I don't know if I should say it, because I feel like I want to cover it. You've never covered Japan before, right? I've never covered Japan. <laughs> but kind of want to. Yeah, because a lot of the details are in the Japanese like pages. Yeah, but this case is pretty well known enough that there are a lot of articles about it. Maybe I'll tell you about it and then I'll just like cut out all these parts. Like I'll beep it out so people can't hear. I don't think I've heard of that one. You have not? Alright. I don't remember um, any unsolved cases from Japan. Well, Except for the bank robbery one that I covered. There was. <laughs> I mean, even my grandfather was like questioned by the police. Oh yeah. I sometimes wish that Singapore allowed women to carry self-defense weapons. But it's like... I guess we're so safe that we don't need it. But at the same time, it's like nice to have it. A lot of murder cases we see is a lot more domestic. Yeah, so I don't know. I personally would like to have like, I guess, pepper spray, but it's FI to international listeners. Um, Self-defense weapons are illegal in Singapore, so we can't even carry pepper spray. You can carry alarms, right? Because in Japan, they actually sell like... Like those noisy ass alarms. I don't know if we can carry alarms. I just know right. we're not allowed to carry. Well, people even run to you when they hear that thing. I feel they will run away from you. I mean, let's go to a martial arts class. Oh god. I miss doing martial arts. <laughs> well, um, I will kick up, watch gonna, you from gonna, the side. I want to kick ass. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode and want to support us, please rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, and click that follow button on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon, and whatever podcast platform you listen to. And you can follow us on Instagram at HGU Podcast. Share us a message or send us a story if you'd like. You can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Stay safe. Remember to wear your masks. And... (laughs) Yeah. Alright, see you next week. Bye. Bye.